Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. Uh, I am here today. We're going to be talking about how to grow your wealth, um, talking through Airbnbs, which I've uh, I've got a kind of luxury Airbnb myself. So talking about that and uh, um, I'll share my process and Clayton can share some of his um, and, and, you know, just some of the stuff that he's learned from it. And uh, also, I'll just share, it's kind of fun to be able to have one that you can use and uh, make money from. So that's exciting. Um, and then and then we'll also uh, jump into uh, creating and magnifying wealth um, as an agent. And again, wealth is when your money works harder than you do. And that is kind of our goal that, uh, that we're always talking about. How can we as, as real estate agents um, use our knowledge, be insider, insi have insider trading that we're not going to go to jail for um, because of the fact that we are uh, professionals in the business. So with that said, Clayton, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my background is I dropped out of college. I was going to be a, a diplomat, wanted to be working for the embassy. I was working down in Buenos Aires in Argentina and ended up really, really not, <laughs> ended up really not liking it um, because frankly, it was not what I expected it to be. And so I dropped out of college and joined a family uh, luxury chocolate company. And when I did that, Chris, I realized that I had a, a specialty in sales and marketing and business development and scaled that business to, to 42 states. So we were kind of all over the place and, and we built relationships with hotel chains, luxury hotel chains, the Omni William Penn, um, had some relationships with the breakers down in Palm Beach um, and relationships with celebrity chefs. I pivoted that um, knowledge skill set to becoming a real estate investor. When I was at the um, luxury chocolate company, I met a gentleman that was worth about $120 million. <laughs> and he taught me about, hey, Clay, you need to create wealth, financial freedom. And the way that you do that is you produce a business. As real estate agents know, you can have people underneath you working for you, working with you. Or you need to find a way to produce cash flow, right? A business can produce cash flow. But really what you're trying to do is you're trying to trade your time for equity. And you can do that by buying real estate, buying businesses, creating businesses, and using tax strategies and life insurance to amplify your efforts. And so I learned that from him. And I just went into uh, investing in real estate on my own. I joined a local firm, helped them scale their business to 75 uh, flips and wholesale deals in our first year. And then started doing my own thing and built my own firm, The Creative Capitalist, which helps real estate agents, entrepreneurs create, protect, and multiply their wealth, all while I'm buying real estate. I'm buying Burr multifamily properties, buying some luxury Airbnbs in the mountains of Colorado. And I know we're going to talk about that today. But I knew that in order for me to build wealth, to get to financial freedom and abundance, I needed to put together the mindset, the methods, the manners of my mentor, a guy that was incredibly, incredibly financially free and abundant. 
and apply them to my own life. So I know we're going to get into some of those things today, but that's sort of my background. And I come to you today and I love talking about this stuff and, and figuring out how to optimize cash flow. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So let's start with the, uh, the Airbnb stuff and then we'll pivot from there. So, um, so what made you decide to get into the Airbnb game? Yeah. So, I mean, I wish I could say it was like planned and really well thought through, but my, my wife and I wanted to move to Colorado. So we're currently, she's from originally from Colorado and we've been thinking about, Hey, we want to move to maybe the mountains of Colorado. And we had sort of a timeline that we wanted to do it in Chris (laughs) and ended up, she ended up finding a place that she was like, you know what? I love this place. Let's just buy it. And we bought it and we used a a DSCR loan, a low down payment, 15% down loan, um, bought it and went out and renovated it and said, Hey, we really want to try this Airbnb thing. We've been looking at it. I read, you know, um, say what was the, uh, what was the loan that you were talking about? A DS, a DSCR loan, debt service coverage ratio loan. It's a commercial. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with that. Totally. So you can use a DSCR loan for purchasing um, real estate in general, it's a 30 year fixed rate loan that you know some mortgage brokers will, will offer you in which you can put 15% down uh, as long as the debt service coverage ratio that's required by the loan product is covered by the cash flow of the, um, of the real estate property. And a lot of uh, luxury Airbnb or Airbnb investors use it because obviously 15% down is always better than 20% down. So as long as you, and, and I can put you in touch with my lender too, Chris, but you can use these products to, to have less skin in the game and obviously juice your returns. And that's what we use to buy. And it really doesn't matter because it's a commercial loan product. It, it doesn't really matter as much your income, what you show on your, on your taxes, because it's calculating just like a regular commercial loan. It's calculating the actual profit from the, the property that you're purchasing to qualify you in the loan. So income basis, kind of like a, like a commercial type loan where you're, you're qualifying on the income basis versus the appraisement. So on something like that, I'm curious, is that a, uh, um, like, is it a more expensive loan? Are you paying uh, more in points or higher interest rate, or is it still a standard standard loan? Well, you know, um, I don't know what your lenders are giving you, but I think that it obviously depends on credit profile and and total profile. But we bought a property in May, this one that I'm thinking about in May that I can talk about more today. And and the interest rate was 5.87%. So, I mean, wasn't that high for a commercial loan product? But don't forget, I mean, there's no term reset, right? There's no variability to it. It's 30-year fixed. So obviously, those types of products are going to give you a, a little bit of a higher interest rate bump. Um, but it's, I know people that are still getting them in the sixes. Um, it, I think it also depends on the, the quality of the asset that you're purchasing. But the points related to it too, it's, you know, again, that's sort of a depending on your broker. I think I paid a point in 25 basis points. So it wasn't too bad. Um, There's some other processing fees, but it's not like as bad as like a hard money loan or anything like that. Okay, cool. No, that's great. That's great. So, um, so you got the debt service uh, loan on it and then, um, 
you know, bought, bought the places. Did the, uh, did you finance like the furniture piece? Did you just pay cash for that? Cause usually, especially luxury, like mine, we had like a $50,000 budget for, uh, for the lake house that we bought. Right. Like, so stuff like that, did that come out of pocket or did you finance that? Well, I would say we kind of financed it and kind of didn't. And, and the reason why I say that is because I negotiated a $30,000 seller credit mm-hmm. and I used, a, you know, that plus a little bit more to pay for, to pay for the furniture. Um, so we didn't finance it, but you know, with those types of loans, like you're not getting any sort of construction or like flexibility, it's sort of like plain vanilla 30 year fixed. So we had to come out of pocket for, for that. And we had to come out of pocket for the renovations as well. Okay. Got it. So do you mind just like, do you mind sharing numbers on that? Yep. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, we bought it for 1.1 mil. Um, it, we put in about 90,000. Um, and it, the ADR is like between 625 and 725. So we think we'll probably gross about 170 this year something like that um it could be a little more could be a little less there's a variability the oh for, for, i'm i'm sorry how much was the furniture how much did you come out of we put it we put in about about 90 85 for the furniture and renovations okay so the whole thing together yeah yeah we didn't really alter it that that much it was kind of like <clears throat> It wasn't super turnkey, but um, we were just like, hey, we can get sort of achieve our return that we wanted to get out of it just by renovating it a little bit, you know, ripping up the carpet, painting, getting some really nice furniture, reconfiguring a couple of things. But, you know, it, you said we, your gross is how much every year or like, like I mean, I can't tell you exactly. We think it's going to be maybe 170. And how much how much of that will you keep? You know, I don't know because, you know, we're having some issues with the well and I, I can't really tell you, but I, I, our projection, we think it's going to be about a 36 to, to 38 cash on cash return based on our initial investment. And so um, it, it's all projections and it's more just one year into it, Chris. So I don't know. I just know on our cash on cash return basis, that's what we projected that we would get. I think there's some variability in that, as you know, being in the business. Um, you know, sometimes turnovers are a little more expensive. Sometimes you got to get your cleaner over there and they're over there for four hours versus two or my washing machine broke. And so I had to like ship a washing machine out there and then have my cleaner take all the, the clothes for the next two weeks into the local laundry. I mean, there's things that you can't really. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, <laughs> it's nutty. And, and just even buying like a luxury property. So for me, I, um, we were buying our lake house. It was like just over one, two. Right. And uh, um, I was literally going to buy it as a second home, like with a Fannie Freddie loan. Cause I still had like one or two left that I didn't have a Fannie Freddie loan on. You can have up to 10. And, uh, um, and so I was working to buy it, but literally I didn't, I didn't not qualify, but because my, I've got something like 23 or 27 entities like LLCs and S corps and all the other stuff. And so like, like it was just taking forever for them to actually approve me. It was going on and on, but here's the crazy thing. I literally, because the deal was about to fall apart and I, we just love the deal. I had to buy it in cash 
and then refinance it with a commercial loan. I wasn't qualifying, even though I had the cash to buy it in cash and then had to refinance it. So that's part of the, you know, when you start getting more expensive, like jumbo type products, you know, or, you know, have more things going on, you just gotta like, I mean, just give up. The reality is now I look back and I'm like, man, that's a great interest rate, but I was giving up like half a point on interest rate to do a commercial loan. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to go through all the hassle. And actually my wife was the one sending like paperwork after paperwork, after paperwork, trying to prove and reprove and everything else. And, uh, all that. So yeah, just do the commercial loan going forward. Yeah, man, long story short, I mean, you could use a DSCR loan and it was super easy to do it. So, I mean, I don't, some of them, they don't even require an income, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's all. See, that's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely massive. Like I have that written down to, to look into that. That's new for me. So I, I really love that. Um, yeah, but I mean, for us, it's great. We're going to live, live there all of July and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just great. I can work, work from there. I mean, just where I am in my business right now, I can work remotely. Um, and, uh, yeah, we can go on weekends and everything else in between that. But yeah, I mean, we're getting anywhere from like, uh, 800 to 1400, uh, $1,500 a night. So it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And it's, it's almost always, uh, rented. And then we charge a, uh, almost a $400 cleaning fee on top. Oh my gosh. Where is this located? If you don't mind me asking. It's, it's, it's in, uh, in Virginia. It's okay, in Virginia. cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so I love it. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's really, really great. Actually, uh, um, you know, why don't we uh, give your lender a shout out? Do you have your lender's info? You let, um, let, let me, yeah, let me, uh, I, I can, can I post it here? I mean, I can. Uh, How about this? Just send it to me and I'll put it on the wall of our Facebook page. Um, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Facebook page and yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just post it there. You'll find it. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a super great guy. So it's actually, it's funny. I'm he, sure needs to, he needs to buy you dinner. Cause I bet right, right, right. you'll be calling him. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, um, I'm sure, you know, uh, David green, uh, from yeah. bigger pockets. For, for, yeah. So, yeah. So his firm, the one brokerage is the, is the company that I use cause it's very investor friendly. And there's a specific loan officer that I'd like to give you guys because this, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of the loan officers. You have too, Chris. He is, he went over and above for us on this deal. So he, we closed it in like 25 days or something. It was, it was just insane. Um, we got the appraiser out there and this is remote mountains of Colorado, you know? So uh, I, I, we'll, we'll post it on the Facebook page. No problem. I'd love to help, help your listeners out with that. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's great. Yeah. Don't get into that place where you easily qualify. And, that, and that's part of the reason why I'm not worried about 08 happening again, where you easily qualify for the loan, but because of just being complicated, it just makes it hard. So yeah, no, this, this, that's great. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, transition just a little bit. I know you said that uh, um, some of the stuff that you really focus on and really working on is um, helping agents build wealth, helping people build wealth. So, so yeah. talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier in this conversation um, related to my mentor, you know, a guy that was a developer actually in DC area. Uh, he was a, he was a multifamily and office developer in that area uh, back in the day, long time ago, he's since passed, but he talked, talked to me about real estate. I said, you know, businesses got to have the businesses build your own agent business. And one of the things he actually talked to me about is how wealthy people, real estate investors, real estate agents, very high producing real estate agents, high producers in general, use 
different places to warehouse their cash. As you know, I mean, you're probably the real estate professional status, so you're not having a lot of issues with, with taxes. But one of the biggest ways that we get our income taken away from us is through taxes um, because the government's going to want to get a share of the income that we make, right? Well, wealthy people, very wealthy people use a different place to store their money. And where they store their money is specifically designed life insurance contracts that are designed for liquidity, for early cash value, for control. This is not your, your normal, you know, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman hate whole life insurance. This is a specifically designed whole life insurance contract that's going to give you four to 6% tax-free growth. Is this what you, I mean, do you sell, do you this sell? Is, like, this is what I do. This is what I do. So, so this is a little bit different than, uh, than what I, I understood. And I'm totally good with it. We literally just on Tuesday, just went through the infinite banking with, with another person that, uh, that does this. So I guess this, oh, this is, be, this yeah. can be infinite banking week. That's fair. All right. So oh, did you already have someone on? literally on Tuesday. So that was not what, uh, what my understanding was, but Hey, like I'm, I'm good with, uh, good with, we already talked to Airbnb. So let's talk more about infinite banking for all of our, uh, all of our audience members, because well, that- you, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, um, I know the focus of today was, was Airbnb. So, um, we can, we can keep pivoting and talking about that. I can drop the information. If anyone has any other questions about Airbnb, if you guys already talked about, um, the life insurance stuff. I don't, there's no need to repeat things. Well, we heck, can, let's, let's just talk a little bit more about it because it is, it is an important thing that I, okay, I cool. like I get Dave Ramsey, you know, I, heck, I was so invested in Dave Ramsey when I was, uh, you know, I was a pastor for many years and, you know, had no money. And when you're poor, Dave Ramsey's great, but um, you're right. he's not going to teach you how to, how to become wealthy. Like, by right. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe by the time you're 65 and retired, you'll be wealthy, but like, you know, it'll, it'll teach you not to be in, in debt, um, yeah. in, you know, in the meantime, which is and good. You're, and you're not your happens. age. Yeah. And you're not your age buying a, a beautiful uh, lake house in Virginia, right? Uh, you just got to play a different game. And that's sort of what this is talking about. And uh, for those listeners that, you, you know, listen this past week, um, it's just an alternative place to put your money. In the meantime, where you, you know you have savings as a real estate agent, maybe you get a huge commission check, right? And you want to put it somewhere while you're waiting for another opportunity. Maybe you're an investor too. Well, you can put it into a life insurance contract, i.e. the infinite banking concept, right? You can put it in a life insurance contract and your money is going to work for you at that 4 to 6% compounded, and you're going to be able to leverage it to go out and purchase real estate to buy your Airbnb that you can go and live at to fund your marketing expenses. And then when you get a big, another big windfall, you can put it back in there. So your money's working for you in two places. There's tax-free growth. Obviously, I'm sure the um, gentleman that or the gentlewoman that came on last week talked about that. There's tax-free inheritance to your heirs. And it's really an, an excellent alternative to a savings vehicle. I don't know if any of your listeners have any questions for me here. I know we're probably going to be wrapping up here soon. Um, but okay, there's someone that raised their hand, maybe. Yeah, I, totally good. So um, yeah, anybody that has any questions, feel free to post in the chat and we'll, uh, we'll get to all questions if you're here live with us. 
um, one of the benefits of joining us live. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I guess the uh, the question that I would have is um, my understanding. You know, the the fear that people have is that the money like will disappear, right? So I had I had a buddy of mine who. Um, put money in for two years and and then ended up having to surrender his his policy. Can you speak oh. to can you speak to that? Like, because I, I heard that like you have to put a certain amount in for like seven years or something like that, or lose the policy. Like, how does that work as oh. far as number oh. of years you need to you need to continue to invest in it? Yeah, that's a really good question, Chris. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. So. For these life insurance policies, the way that we structure them, they're not like your regular whole life insurance policy. A regular whole life insurance policy is structured so 100% of the money that you put in there goes to what they call a premium, okay? So a premium is paying for primarily your death benefit, and then a little bit of your premium will show up as cash value, which is what I was talking about, that savings account that you have that you can leverage over and over again. Well, the way that we structure the policies for real estate agents, for real estate investors in general is we dial down the death benefit, okay? So what, what, what we do when we dial down the death benefit is we add something called a paid up addition rider, which is just a fancy term for saying additional life insurance on the side of the contract. So if you pay $10,000 of annual premium, for example, into a life insurance contract, you have a part of that $10,000 that shows up in paid up addition riders, which shows up in cash value. It just goes right into cash value right away. If you, in the first seven years, Chris, it depends again on how you structure it. If you, as long as you're paying your premium, your policy is not going to lapse, right? So the way that we structure them is we have about 30% of the dollars go into premium and 70% of some of, seven of them go into that other thing called paid up addition riders. As long as you're paying that 30% in $10,000 a year, that's $3,000, your policy is going to stay in force. That additional 70% is the jet fuel that's going to give you the early cash value there that you can leverage over and over again. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, you know, for sure. So what happens if people don't put that in or is there, there are other opportunities? Like if you don't put some money in like at the beginning, how does that yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, hey, what happens when you don't when you don't pay your mortgage or your rent? You know, you get foreclosed on, right? There's a contract between you and the life insurance company, just like there's a contract between you and your landlord or you and the mortgage company that you have to pay for that additional amount, right? You got to pay for your mortgage, right? And that's the same exact thing with a life insurance contract. There's a base amount of the policy that has to be paid. If it, does, if it isn't paid, then you aren't keeping up with your end of the bargain because this is a contract between you and the life insurance company and they give you guaranteed growth. So if you can't pay in to the extent that you said, hey, this is my guarantee that I'm going to pay in. Yeah, they're going to say, hey, this policy is no longer in force because you're not paying for what you said you were paying. Sure. Okay, cool. And then, um, you know, we were just asked if... Uh, because it's a life insurance policy, do you need a physical medical? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. Uh, so the, the company that I work with, which is specifically sort of designed for 
for real estate agents and entrepreneurs because there's a lot of flexibility in there and it's really the best product in the market for that. Um, depending on your age, I believe it was uh, Letitia, depending on your age, Letitia, you might not have to do it. For example, myself and my wife, we didn't have to do it. I'm a little younger. I'm a, I'm a little on the younger end. Um, but there's way for, because the these life insurance companies are getting so professional at understanding health risk, right? Hey, you might've smoked in the past, or there's sort of questions that they'll ask you related to that, but they can get a pretty good idea about your overall health uh, without having to go into sort of a super extensive physical examination. Now, I would say if you were on the older end, I, I, don't, I don't know your age, you would probably be expected to go through a medical examination although it's becoming less and less frequent with the clients that I have that are a little bit older, but you will, you, you most likely will. Okay. You're 45. Yeah. I mean, I would say there, there's a higher probability of you having to do it than not. If that answers your question. What age, uh, what age do you start seeing it starting to become more likely that you have to, uh, to get a physical? Yeah. I mean, thir late thirties, late thirties, mid thirties, like, you know, there's just more variability there. Um, but again, I think life insurance companies are understanding that it's kind of a pain to go and get a physical and do all these examinations to get it. So I think they might be on their way to, um, okay. As but as long as you're general health, you Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen here. So the question if, is if, if, anybody if, listening, the oh, question yeah, sorry. Is, if you are health, generally healthy, uh, you know, will you be fine? Yeah. Um, so Letitia, one of the things is the, the reason why they, the life insurance company is going to go to say, Hey, that there's, um, you know, uh, you got to go do the medical examination and ask these questions is because what they're going to do is they're going to evaluate your health profile. If you're generally healthy and to be honest with you, women just hit the cover off the ball for, for life insurance, their premiums are way lower. They have way better early cash value it's way better to be a woman than a man with life insurance because um, they just live longer, you know, statistically. Uh, if you're generally healthy, though, you're, you're going to be in the top percentage and you're going to get the best premium, the best payout, the best cash value. Um, because, yeah, and most people qualify for that as, not as, you're, as long as you're not um, an unhealthy person. Gen, uh, so would, they, uh, would they do, a, would they do the, a policy for a healthy 71-year-old? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's, what's very interesting here is some of my clients that we've worked with uh, are, you know, there might've been 70, 71, um, and they want to sell some of their assets or they went through a probate, which as most real estate agents know, um, you know, someone passes away, there could be a probated house or they, they're going through a trust situation and the, um, their husband or wife dies. And there's a there's a windfall. A lot of our clients we're seeing are putting their money in these whole life insurance contracts so that they can pass it tax free to their to their heirs, and then they can use it and take tax free retirement. Because what you can do is you can take policy loans out and have a tax free retirement if you draw from the life insurance contract while it's still working for you. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. Well, we are at the top of the hour here. Uh, nice. 
Uh, Clayton, thanks so much for joining us. How can people get in touch with you if, if they want to hear more about either Airbnb, life insurance, like using life insurance as your own bank? How can people get in touch with you? So it's clay at creative-capitalist.com for anybody listening. And then for those listening, um, you can text me at 412-552-3029. Um, yeah, if you just have any questions, I'm, I'm a very... Um, low key person. I'm, there's no sort of hard sales pitch. I think that's kind of how you win and, and really serve your clients well. So if you have any questions uh, about this in general, just shoot me a text or, or shoot me an email. Uh, and you know maybe there'll be an opportunity for you or some people get these on their children um, to help them pay for college. Because I don't know if you know this, but if you have a 529 plan and your kids don't go to college, it's just gets extinguished in its taxable income. There's a lot of stuff that we're not taught in, in school. So there's a lot of different ways to use this. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks so much, brother. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, guys, please give us a uh, an honest review. Also reach out to me at Cradrock, C-R-A-D-D-R-O-C-K on, um, uh, on Instagram and uh, anything I can do for you, that'd be great. And then finally, we are working hard to... Uh, to connect. So if anybody anywhere in the country has any interest in partnering with us in, in any way, we are, we've got three different ways that we're partnering with people across the country that want to grow their business. So feel free to reach out. And if we can, uh, we can serve you anyway, we'd love to do it. With that said, Clayton, thanks so much for being here with us and we will catch up with you soon. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.